0: So we're into the last two parables of the cost of citizenship in this series. I think we had a total of seven parables for that. And these last two are on the parable of the rich fool and the empty house that uh, need to be swept. So we'll start off with a parable of the rich fool. We've probably heard this parable all our lives. But we'll talk about it and see if we can get some insights into that. Um, The parable is found in Luke 12, in verses 13 through 21, if you want to follow along. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater ones, and there I will store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take, take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, "Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will, whose will those things be that you have provided? So it is for he who lays up treasure for himself but is not rich toward God. Uh, the story of the rich fool is one of extreme greed, love of money, and really pure narcissism, which is, pure, which is self-love. Um, and this uh, whole reading, he doesn't mention God or he doesn't mention anybody else. He's mainly concerned with what he has, how he's accumulated it, and he doesn't give God any, any glory for that, and how he can um, better do his, provide for himself. Um, at this time when Luke 12 begins, there were thousands of people that were thronging around Jesus, and they were excited to see the Master. He was ma- uh, performing a lot of miracles and they were trampling on one another. You know, he was feeding five thousand, feeding four thousand. There were people following him for that. A lot of people weren't following him for the right reasons. They didn't. Uh, they they really uh, had kind of secular reasons for food. Maybe they thought Jesus was going to be the the Messiah that would uh, bring back the uh, restoration of all the kings of Israel and and set up an earthly kingdom. And uh, in the midst of all this, uh, there's a man who shouts out, uh, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And in this case, the father had died, and the younger brother believes that the older brother kind of cheated him out of what his part of it was, of the state. And uh, Deuteronomy 21, 17 talks about this. It says, uh, talks about the double portion of the inheritance and how uh, it was supposed to be given to the firstborn child, and then the last child got like a third of that. Um, you know, we studied about this somewhat during our "Prodigal Son: Cost of Citizenship" um, uh, a parable a few week uh, a week or so ago, a few weeks ago. Um, Jesus does not want us to get entangled with all the world's goods, with earthly possessions, material matters, and uh, He wants us to be involved with in spiritual matters, not not material ones. Uh, he didn't want to be a judge. Well, he why was he why was he uh, thought to have been a judge? I wonder. Well, back during this time there was a lot of rabbis for the Jews who were sell- they were arbitrators in that case. They would come along and kind of be like lawyers, I guess, and and solve these kind of issues and and make sure that the uh, inheritance was divided out according to what the father had really wanted. And so there were some people who considered Christ just to be like one of these rabbis you know somebody that they could get something out of instead of somebody who was the savior of the world that was going to come along and uh give them the words of life and uh, make it to where they could get to heaven so jesus knew this man's heart so that's why he took this opportunity to talk about uh, the spiritual danger of of greed and covetousness and you know uh, covetousness and greed is really idolatry, and uh, that's in Colossians three five. Um, the the worship of uh, material things instead of being head of the creator. You know, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of worship of of uh, things on earth now. This uh, this global warming business and this climate change hoax I call it uh, is really just worship of th- of the earth and you know it's been going on for thousands of years this worship of the earth because uh, back in the Egyptian times their gods were mainly the sun and a lot of the uh, animals on earth and that sort of thing and so you know this stuff continues today uh, people that don't have a a good grasp on what the next life is about and how it's about, supposed to be about uh, spiritualism and everything. They they put all their emphasis on this earth and preserving it. Um, sometimes I wonder if they think that the earth's going to be preserved and uh, and they can prevent it from being burned up. But uh, anyway, I won't get into too much more of that. Um, Jesus said in first. Timothy 6 7 and 8 for we brought nothing into the world we can take nothing out of it but if we have food and clothing we will be content we should be content with that food clothing and and shelter are the basic necessities of life and anything above that is considered an abundance and of course we in the United States we're blessed with so so much most of us have the necessities of life Uh, and even above that. So we really should be, uh, you know, very thankful. We should be the most grateful people on earth, really, the people in the, uh, in the United States. Um, several years ago, there was a small book that captured the imagination of millions. It was written by Charles Schultz, and we all know that he wrote, he, he came up with a comp, comic strip peanuts. He, he, the book was called, Happiness is Warm Puppy. And this contains simple things to be happy for, such as uh, happiness is a thumb and a blanket. You know, Linus was always with a the blanket there. Uh, but there was nothing in the whole book about uh, being tied to money or material things. And in this parable, Jesus points out that satisfaction does not depend upon earthly blessings there is something more important than just earthly things. Wealth brings about unhappiness most of the time. Most of the people that are either rich or have an excessive amount of this world's goods, it brings about spoiled children, divorce, and you don't even know who your friends are. One day you have them and next day you won't have them. Um, in this, um, in this parable, uh, the, the uh, rich fool uses I and my 11 times in these verses. And God replies the word you five times to him. So we'll go over some of these uh, 11 times. Here, here they are. Number one, what shall I do? Number two, I have no place to store my crops. My crops, number three. This is what I'll do, number four. Number five, I will tear down my barns. Number six, there I will store my goods. All my grain, number seven. And number eight, and all my goods, number nine. And I'll say, number nine, To myself, number 10. Number 11, you, you have plenty of good things. So God turns around and tells him, you fool, number one. This very night, your life, number three, will be demanded from you, number four. Then will I get what you have prepared, number five for yourself. So we see here that this rich fool has got everything twisted. He doesn't care about his fellow man, and he doesn't care about God. He's just worried about getting more and more for himself and storing it away. Uh, How many of you saw the recent poll that was taken? I think there was over a 1,000 Americans that were polled. and there were a number of things that were to be selected from to determine what you thought was the most important thing in your life. Um, number one are, um, was materialism and money. That's the 2023 poll. Number, way down the line, number 39%, according, this is Breitbart News, by the way, Thirty-nine percent of Americans value religion, and thirty-eight value patriotism, but um, money and materialism far outranked it. So, and this same poll was done. I think it was 1980, and patriotism and religion were neck and neck, way up in the seventy percent range, so, and materialism was not nearly as high. So. We, like the rich fool, are going the wrong direction in this country. And something's really got to be done about it, because if not, then we could wind up just, as, just like Rome, just like a lot of the Greece, just like the Medio persians all the great empires of the world, we could fall uh, just like they did. Um, but um, anybody who got any comments before I keep going. That's why he gave the story, because he saw as a That's right. That's right, Brother Sam. He uh, Instead of, I can go out now and I can help a lot of people. I can take these goods and help other people. I mean, he didn't know but the next year that uh, the crops would fail. I mean, even nowadays, farmers, uh, they don't know from one year to the next what their farms are going to do. Uh, they can have a banner crop year one year, and the next year they can be applying for government assistance to get by you know. And uh, I'm thankful that there is government assistance to help farmers out because where would they be? if they had several bad crop years. But you know, this this man here, he didn't consider anything like that. He just thought that next year was just going to be just as bountiful as uh, this year was and that God was going to... He didn't consider that God might, uh, you know, not bless him like he did the pre- previous year. He didn't even mention God. So uh, very good point there. So, yeah, it's like Sam said, he, he, he showed contempt to God by tearing down the barns and building bigger ones. And he had no regard for anybody. And um, he was supposed to have the attitude of love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. That's in Luke 10, 27. But it's also in some passages in Deuteronomy, including Deuteronomy 6, 5. So he he didn't, you know, this man was just a very secular man. And we see a lot of people like this. Um, unfortunately, we got, them, we got them in our society now. I, I mean, we have like people like Bill Gates, for example. Yeah, they'll give to a lot of these charities and that sort of thing. But I never hear... Bill Gates ever saying anything spiritually Um, you know that I know of and there's many more just like him Um, so you know this this is a very common thing even today Uh, he failed to thank God for the riches that he received and he was self-centered selfish as Sam said but uh, God calls on us to give an account of what we've been entrusted with you know we're we're stewards only over these, the things of this life. We're not, uh, we're not uh, just owners of that. You know, when, when someone dies, they're not going to take any of that with them. Uh, there's not going to be a, a casket that's going to have, uh, you know, all of somebody's goods coming with, behind it to go to the grave. It's, uh, you're not going to take any of that with you. Uh, but this man had a spiritual bank that was actually bankrupt even though we had plenty of this world's goods. Um, James 4, 13 through 16 says, uh, Come now, ye who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town. Spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a, a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, he, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. You know, this uh, this, this talks about arrogance, and, and a lot of people have, have got to have everything say, be about themselves all the time. I mean, uh, when you start talking to somebody and they first and you, you're talking about a subject, and then they just turn around and start talking about, well, I did this, or I did that, or I did the other. What's well, the first thing you want to do? You want to get away from that person, and this person seems to have been along, had characteristics of that type of an individual. Uh, boasting is evil in God's God's eyes. It shouldn't shouldn't be done. Um, so. Right that's right, that's right. we're supposed to wear moth and corruption doesn't doesn't take it away like it does here. Lay up your treasures for heaven, right uh, so we know that the the parable teaches that life's riches belong to God, and we're just stewards, and we need to thank God for everything and Give of our means, you know, Ecclesiastes 11 says, cast your bread upon the waters, uh, you know, and it'll come back to you. When our life ends, there's no time then to change how we have lived our lives. Uh, When we live for ourselves, we are spiritually dead. Um, So, you know, this, this parable doesn't mean that you should not save for the future. That is not what it's saying. It's saying that you've got to save for the future so you won't be a burden on society, but that you'll also be able to help others. So you've got to, to kind of have a, uh, you know, you've got to have an even keel with all this. Uh, you've got to be able to not only help others, but save for yourself. Um, and that's, that's kind of hard to understand sometimes. Uh, Sam took one of my verses here, First Timothy six nine through eleven says uh, says that about money is, is the root of all evil. Of course, it says the love of money uh, is the root of all evil. Cause, you know, it's it's hum, if you love money so much that you're not going to help others, then that's when you really run into trouble. Um, you know, there's so many people in the Bible that uh, were wealthy, like Abraham, David, Solomon, Job. Job, of course, lost everything, but it it was all brought back to him. Um, so, you know, this rich man died. Uh, that's that's the whole point. He he died, and his life was not spared because he was only thinking of himself. Uh, we kind of mentioned this too, but. Uh, Matthew six nineteen through twenty one. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For there your treasure, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So um, that's about all I have on that particular. Um, parable if anybody has any questions or comments Had a wrong attitude, didn't he, Brother Sam? It's not going to matter on this no. earth, is it? And there's some people that just don't. They don't see that. They just really. Just like Sometimes when a family die, they fight they I sure do. It's uh. It's a bad and sad thing. Uh, Splits families right down the middle. Sure does. All right, so with the last 15 minutes, we'll see if we can't uh, get into the empty house. This is kind of an interesting parable here. Uh, We'll look at both accounts, Luke 11, 24 through 26, and Matthew 12, 43 through 45. Okay, here's Luke's account, Luke 11:24 through 26. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. He says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and then put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state is of the man is worse than the first. And then we'll read Matthew's account in four, t- Matthew twelve forty three through 45. It's very similar. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through di- dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house which I came, and, I, and when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. Uh, this parable is part of a long discourse uh, in response to the Pharisees. They had just accused Jesus in Matthew 12:24 of casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub, or the devil, the prince of devils. And Jesus responds with several parables about the power of God and the danger uh, of attributing that to Satan. And he says in Matthew 12, 26, can Satan cast out himself? The Pharisees then ask Jesus for a sign. And he says that to prove that he's not acting under Satan's power. Well, Jesus responds by saying that this generation will not get a sign except for the sign of Jonah. And, you know, these people probably didn't realize that, but Jesus was giving them quite a sign by saying that because what he was alluding to was his death, burial, and resurrection. And he was telling them that he would be raised to life again forever from the dead. And how, how could Satan have done anything like that? You know, Satan wants everybody dead and down in, in hell with him. So, you know, they didn't understand it, but he was giving them the ultimate sign to show that he was not doing his power through Beelzebub. Um, the unclean spirit returns to the empty house and this is uh, sets up a conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees, um, the, the, the house is occupied by an undesirable tenant, and that tenant is really a demon. And what it does is that demon is, 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 is swept away, but then the demon comes back and brings, you know, it's, it's seven of them the next time. So what we're trying to say here is that... Um, Uh, You know, physical things, vineyards, houses, sheep, businesses, banquets, and all this stuff. All these things are not uh, important as far as, uh, you know, what a a house has to have is spirituality. And um, the demons in this case were more like fallen angels. And we see that in 2 Peter 2, 4, Jude 6, and Revelation 12 three through five. Uh, those passages, if you'll recall, talked about how the God didn't spare the angels when they sinned, but they cast them down to the outer darkness and how that uh, angels didn't keep up positions of authority and were cast down in chains and also a third of the angels of heaven were cast down. Um, notice that the parable says that <clears throat> demons seek dry, waterless places. And this leaves us with the idea that demons would drown in water. And we see this played out in uh, Mark 5 with the demon-possessed man who had his demons cast into 2,000 swine, and then they were sent off to a cliff to the sea and they drowned. So this maybe this is why baptism is so important. It gets... It gets rid of the sins, it gets rid of the demons. Um, Just food for thought there. Um, Several years ago, Jane and I took a a tour of Savannah, Georgia, and the narrator there was talking about the uh, uh, ceilings being painted blue on several of the antebellum houses there. And somebody asked him why that was the case. And they, you know, this was folklore and that sort of thing back then. But uh, they were saying that the color blue would remind the demons of water and, uh, and these evil spirits would stay away from them. So, you know, even in our modern day uh, architecture and stuff, this is kind of played out, uh, even though, you know, we don't really... The, we're, the, the evil spirits and that sort of thing, they were around in Jesus' time. But um, although we feel like some people have evil spirits now, uh, they were really back then in that day and day time. Uh, there were three po- possibilities that had been proposed about what Jesus was talking about. <clears throat> he was talking about a physically exercised individual who didn't, did not become spiritual follower of, of His, or the crowds who came to hear Him but did not enter the kingdom, or the Jewish nation, mainly the Pharisees, who had a legalistic and, re, and religious system. And they uh, refused to follow Jesus and attributed His power to the devil. Um, this is why Jesus called them a wicked generation. And he knew what was in their heart. Uh, that these these, uh, these uh, ph- uh, Pharisees uh, went so far as to call Jesus uh, having power of the devil, uh, which was a very grave uh, cl- uh, claim, you know, accusation for that time. Uh, we learn from this parable that when we get rid of evil, we must fill the house with something good. Otherwise, the evil will come back with a vengeance. It's like weeding your garden, but not growing any good plants in there after you've weeded your garden. Well, what's going to happen? Your garden's just going to come right back up with weeds if you don't put something good in its place. Uh, you've you uh, you got to have prayer. You've got to have supplication. You've got to have, you know, worship of God. Um, we're not, become, uh, with, <clears throat> we're not to overcome evil with, we're not to overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good, Romans 12, 21. So we make ourselves ready for judgment day and not satisfied merely with ridding ourselves of evil. You know, it's, it's one thing to not do anything wrong, but it's a completely another thing to replace doing wrong with doing something that's good to help other people out uh, and, and to help the church out and to spread the gospel. Um, that slide's not big enough. But anyway, those are the fruits of the Spirit. And we see those in Galatians 5, uh, 22 through 25, the fruits of the Spirit there. Um, on an individual level, a person has been forgiven and cleansed, can choose not to have the new tenant move in. Or any of the spirits move in, and you you do that by having the fruits of the spirit and inviting the Holy Spirit in. You know, uh, the the Holy Spirit will guide your life, and you won't have all of these other things that are crowding out your life, like the demons. On a society level today, as with the crowds that heard Jesus, there's much interest in spirituality. There is interest in purifying your soul and getting rid of evil, living a moral life, and achieving harmony with one's inner self. The crowds are interested in, uh, in, in spirituality, but they often re- rejected Jesus' teachings. Many were listening and choosing not to enter the kingdom of God, and this parable indicates their final condition would end up being worse than their first. You know, we, talk, we, we, we read about that over in... Uh, uh, the book of I think it's Second Peter, where it talks about you know the dog returning to its vomit and the dog uh, wallowing back in the mire, and this is similar to to this right, what it's talking about right here, that we need to uh, to we need to replace the evil that can come back in our lives with something good when we get baptized. Um, <clears throat> As a church, we must hear the message of the parable as it applied to God's people. We cannot legislate holiness or replace true love with rituals or programs. We simply look pure, look for pure and righteousness from the outside. And we sweep, sweep our houses clean and allow the new tenant, which is the Spirit of God, to move in and reign. So... Um, just a few points to ponder here for the uh, end of this uh, uh, lesson. When we sweep our house clean, what are some things that most often come back crowding in like unwanted squatters? Wouldn't that be like, there's a lot of things. We could look at First John 2.16 where it says the lust of the, eye, of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. All three of those things that were, that Jesus were temp, was tempted with uh, in, um, in, in John, I guess it was, was it three or four? Where he was uh, tempted with all these things. Uh, we're tempted with them too. And uh, we'll be tempted with them for the rest of our lives. Uh, these evil thoughts, lustly, lust and fleshly desires, all of these things... We've got to sweep those out of our lives and bring uh, uh, Jesus and uh, evangelism and doing God's work in. Uh, so, church is the body of Christ. We've got to keep our, our bodies clean. Employ the fruits of the spirit. Um, it says, "What should we do? What should we do? What should we be doing as a church to prevent our house?" From becoming unoccupied, and that's just simply uh, doing good works, and that's uh, and that's what we should be doing. Um, in the judgment parables, men are condemned for not doing evil, but are not are condemned not for doing evil, but for not doing good. What does that tell us about what we how we should live our lives? Well, we should always be. Constantly abounding in good works, according to First Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. So, I finished a little bit early, uh, but if anybody's got comments on either parable, we'll take them. Are there any questions or? there's some people that use that as an excuse for what they do, like the uh, I'm sure the shooter up in uh, Nashville um, I don't know, I guess y'all have heard that there was a group of people that were protesting the shooter up there in Nashville that Covenant Christian school, they said that they were the seventh victim and they weren't the seventh victim, they caused it They, they are letting uh, they, they were letting evil get in their lives and become a transgender and all of that kind of stuff. And they uh, shot up the school. Mental illness is not in mm. but there are some very serious There are some people that have been allowed, there are some children that have been allowed to become things like tran- transgenders, even homosexuals, that um, were never meant to be. And and, uh, and I, I don't know where this country is going, but it's, it's, condoned. it's condoned in this world. And, uh, you know, 50 years ago, if somebody would have showed up in Nashville, Tennessee, and had a protest and said that somebody like that was a seventh victim and all that, they probably chased them out, chased them out of, out of, out of there. Uh, there wouldn't be people that were probably even doing that. 50 years ago. But it's really, uh, this country has got uh, the devil just uh, uh, wrapped we around have, we it. We have the sword, we have the word of God, and that is our way to That's right. That's the and there's God not God. enough of it. There's not enough people uh, standing up for God's word and for what's right. There are people that are going along with all of this stuff and uh, not speaking out. And uh, it's just sad. And we need to turn it around in this country badly. So thanks for the comments and your attention.